Welcome back to Halloween Never Dies, a retrospective podcast. I'm your host, Pacing Pete. And I'm Sabina Graves. How's it going, Sabina? How are you? It's going good. We're halfway to Halloween, so it is time to just get real high. <laughs> I'm excited. I've been seeing some new, you know, uh, TV trailers drop. They're they're showing little bits of, of the movie here and there of Halloween Kills. I'm excited. We're getting to Halloween. I mean, we're not there, obviously, but, you know, for us, this is this is an exciting time, especially for this podcast. We're on Halloween for the return of Michael Myers, which is going to be interesting because this is obviously coming from, you know, right after Halloween three season of the witch that had absolutely nothing to do with Michael Myers. We're jumping back into the pool. And, and you know, what are your just real quickly before we get into everything with our guests? What are your like kind of initial thoughts going from Halloween Three to Halloween four and bringing back the mythological and crazy babysitter killer, Michael Myers. Listen, I think the title card for Mustafa Akkad being the first thing you see just sets the stage for this movie. (laughs) There is no doubt about it. Like they're, they're making sure, you know, Michael Myers has come back to the franchise and um, he's going to do what we saw him do in the first two movies. So um, with that said, Sabina, why don't you introduce our very special guest today? Today we have Jonathan Graves joining us. He is, yes, my husband, but he is also the host of, so of course you realize this means podcast, a Looney Tunes podcast. Hi. (laughs) How is everyone? We're good. We're good. Thank you for joining us, Jonathan. This is great. I have the I have the power couple with me here today uh, <laughs> talking all about Michael Myers. Just really quickly, Jonathan, are you are you a big horror fan or do you you know, what are your thoughts on horror movies in general? Slasher movies? I am a big horror fan. I usually like the supernatural and the psychological, but I am always down for a good slasher. And I uh, tangentially have followed the Halloween movies. I went from room to room while my parents were watching these movies in the <laughs> living room and I caught little glimpses of them. This one was definitely on at one point. And so was H2O. I remember like specific scenes of Halloween H2O just because of those little transitions in the house of me going to the kitchen. But I never sat down and watched it fully until yesterday. So this was a a whole new movie for me. And Jonathan has actually been um, a part of my journey in watching the movies. So is my dog who just shook in the background, like in in agreement. (laughs) He was Uh, shook by this movie. He was shook by this movie. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, like it's been awesome. Awesome. Well, that's great to hear. I really quickly, you said you're a friend of like the supernatural psychological. Do you have like a favorite uh, horror movie in that genre? Oh, uh, well, I love Seven and I love Zodiac. Uh, I feel like those are like thriller, supernatural kind of things. Narratives, uh, really, but also it could happen. <laughs> yeah. Zodiac, yeah. Zodiac did happen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, any anything that is... Uh, otherworldly, I like uh, the Insidious franchise comes to mind. Uh, big fan of those movies by James Wan. I like this second one, maybe more than the first one. And that one gets very supernatural and into the ether, if you will. So, yeah, uh, this whole idea of Michael Myers being an entity that is death and a metaphor for death. I, I really latch onto that. And it was ever present in this film. 
which was really nice to see. Um, I guess we'll talk about it, talk about it a little later. But when multiple Michael Myers shows up, I actually thought the franchise could go in that direction. Um, and I was a little bummed out that it was a, uh, a you know, a give and take <laughs> Like they pulled it out from under us a little bit. But but yeah, like th- this movie introduces a lot of crazy ideas. Yeah, it really does. And um, we're totally best friends now because I love Zodiac and you're clearly a David Fincher fan, which is awesome. Um, so very cool. Very cool. Um, and yeah, let's just let's just dig into this because guess who's back? Back again. Michael's <laughs> back killing all your friends. Uh, you know, and, and so it's, you know, it's on the it, poster. <laughs> so you didn't know, the return just of Michael Myers. They, they really wanted us to know. You know, and it's so interesting because, I, you know, I did a little digging into the story about how Halloween 4 came to be. You know, Halloween 3 really set the franchise back, not in the way that a horror fan would think, but in a business sense. Because, you know, they really thought that taking it in a different direction with Halloween 3 and, and turning into like a kind of a mini series, a Twilight Zone type of thing. It just didn't work. It didn't have the impact that they thought it would. You know, they decided that during this time that they would bring Carpenter back they got him to bring on Dennis Etchison, who actually novelized the Halloween two and three. And, you know, they actually came up with an idea to focus the story on the kids from the first movie, which was uh, Tommy Doyle. And, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the other little girl in the movie. But basically, it would be them as adult, a little bit older. You know, Halloween would be taking a completely different term in Hanfield, where because of what happened with Michael Myers, they shut down the town you know, basically like quarantine, but Halloween, like in Haddonfield, like they just did acknowledge it while Mustafa Khan blocked that idea. And from that is when they rewrote the story and they decided to keep it in terms of, well, keeping it in the family. And that's where we have Michael going after Lori's daughter, who we're introduced to, uh, who is Jamie Lloyd. Uh, and we guess the introduction of Daniel Harris. Sabina, what are your thoughts on, you know, this wasn't like a typical slasher flick and that was somebody just randomly killing people. They still wanted to keep it somewhat connected to the first two movies. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on them sticking with that premise and um, how, it, you know, how it played, throughout, uh, played throughout the movie? You know, I think they did keep a little bit of um, the whole having one of the kids that um, Lori babysat be an adult in it. Um, we did have that mention, obviously, with the characters and, you know, and then also tying that into Jamie's life, um, which, you know, I thought was a really unique take to kind of like, be like, you know, uh, Lori had a daughter and has mysteriously passed away, although the pictures that her daughter has are obviously headshots. <laughs> <laughs> And just a quick little nugget of information. Um, I guess when they were casting this role, uh, Melissa Joan Hart was almost cast as uh, Jamie Lloyd. Wow. Um, yeah, just a little bit of nugget of information there. That would have been so interesting. I was going to say Sabina the Teenage Witch. Sabrina the Teenage <laughs> Witch, who we came to know her as, was almost uh, Jamie Lloyd. But Jonathan, what are your thoughts on the storyline keeping within uh, the family, so to speak? I like how they brought it back to the family. I felt that the third one expanded it a bit too broad. I I would have even liked a mention of the family in the third movie. But because they're bringing it back, they they pull no punches with giving you exactly what you want as out of a Halloween movie. You have 
the offspring of Laurie Strode as the as the main target of Michael Myers when he comes back to life. And that is your endpoint. That's who you that's who you care about immediately because of this lifeline that she has and, and her her legacy as the niece of Michael Myers. Like you 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 have the family aspect and it makes it a little bit more personable to all the characters. But you also my favorite aspect of this is seeing how the town remembers the events and how immediately they either have family members that were massacred during the first two films and they want revenge on Michael Myers. But that leads to uh, that mob that, you know, goes out and starts doing vengeance um, just out on unsuspecting people sometimes. But it, it shows you how much they care about their town and how Haddonfield was this ground zero for this event that Michael's Michael is returning to. And they, you know, um, even Loomis is like, I got to get there because that's exactly where he's going to be. And I love that they have Loomis back. Like yes. if this movie did anything right is bring Loomis back. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to your point earlier, I would have loved to see a hollow quarantine. <laughs> I mean, it sets it up perfectly, right? I mean, it that's does. Like, you know, it's like it was like 20, 30 years ago. But I mean, it's kind of the same idea, like stay in your house. There's not a virus out there, but, you know, metaphorically speaking, there is. Listen, if there's a movie after Halloween kills, it's probably going to be that. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll be the premise for Halloween ends. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ooh. talking to your point about the, uh, the 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 mob, you know, right? Isn't that that, that, that kind of feels like, you know, even though it's a slasher film, you feel like, you know, people would see like, because at that time, in that point in the movie, you know, they see the cops pretty much taken out by Michael Myers and all that's left is the sheriff, you know, and even Loomis is like, right. okay, you might need these guys. You don't have anyone else. And so it's interesting because from that standpoint, it, it is a little bit real world. Like people might band together to fight against the common enemy and and want to take them down. I think that's kind of an interesting uh, look at the movie. But let's just really break this down real quick. You know, we have the beginning with Michael getting transferred, which I think we know now whenever you're transferring Michael Myers from one place to another, it's not going to go well. No. It's a terrible idea. It's a it's a terrible <laughs> idea. If that if if they ever do this again in 20, 30 years, which it's very possible, we're gonna see more more Halloween movies as the decades progress, just because Michael Myers is a bit of a cash cow. You do it right, people are gonna come watch the movie. But you know, um, if you're an actor casting that role, unfortunately, that's probably the only scene you're gonna have in the movie because going from the the uh I think he's in Smith's Grove or some sort of, you know, area of the hospital. He gets transferred and obviously gets out, kills the people in the in the hospital van, which leads to, you know, him getting back to Haddonfield. Uh, and then we have Jamie Lloyd having these visions of of her uncle that we learn about. You know, we bring in Donald Pleasance, like you guys said, like this movie really is like if. If there was, I guess, a heart of the movie, I guess it would be Donald Pleasance <laughs> because he's the one that is trying to track Michael down and 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 stop this from happening again. And so we kind of have a little bit of recycling from the first Halloween, right? Like you oh, know, for with, sure. with yeah, for sure. But you know, we but like you said, Jonathan, there's still a little carryover from the first two movies where people remember these events. They remember what happened, so there is a cohesiveness to the story, which does kind of make it interesting in that way. We have a new final girl. 
which is played by Rachel. Um, Sabina, what do you think of uh, Rachel's character and how she uh, she is the final girl of this movie and how she is kind of the guardian? She's not the mom of Jamie. She's she's the step. Well, kind of stepsister or they've taken Jamie in because like adoptive, you know, adopted yeah. kind of. Well, what are your thoughts on on the Rachel Carruthers and her role as the final girl? Yeah, I think uh, Ellie Cornell, who played Rachel, was really great. I really believed her relationship to Jamie. And it did bring in more of that, like, past elements of the first Halloween film where the teenagers are, like, up to no good and she's, you know, babysitting. So I thought that was a really nice homage and, like, a decent setup for that specifically. Yeah, and and we have seen, like, as we go on, we have some... You know, the boyfriend, the throwaway character, his girl, the girl that he hooks up with is kind of a throwaway character. But, you know, they're kind of just, you know, lambs to the slaughter for Michael. You know, at the oh, end of the sure. day, he's going after Jamie and he's and he as and also Rachel in the process because of their connection. Uh, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on? Um, did you care at all for the for the characters that the the boyfriend, the 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 side the boyfriend side piece, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So it's actually funny because when the boyfriend pulled the move of showing up at that other woman's house and Rachel sees him in the background, I immediately hated that character and I couldn't wait for Michael to kill him. Yeah. (laughs) But I was hoping that he would go out in a more brutal way. And I know that there was some... And I read the trivia and there was uh, some additional photography that added gore. Uh, They did a couple more shots... Um, such as when the people that are transporting him, those doctors and psychiatrists, um, he added that shot where Michael kills a guy with his thumb. And I immediately thought back to Ratatouille when one of the chefs is known for killing a guy with just his thumb. And I was like, I wonder if that was referenced uh, this Halloween film. Um, and then there's another scene where a guy, a guy's face gets ripped off and Michael's fingers go into the skin and, just like brutally rip his face off. How did we, how are we supposed to know that Michael was so handy? Yeah, he's very <laughs> handy. Just a knife. <laughs> his fingernails are knives. Um, but yeah, uh, the other cast members, uh, the, the sheriff I felt for, I, I was hoping that, you know, we would get some sort of um, conclusion to his story because who knows if he comes back, but like, his daughter died and like we didn't get to see uh, his emotion to that. And like if he wants revenge on Michael now or I mean, obviously, he took revenge on Michael at the very end, uh, skipping ahead. But uh, we didn't see the the emotion behind that revenge. And I wanted I missed that. There are elements to the side characters that I felt compelling, uh, but more or less, I really just wanted to see them slaughtered in a really fun way. I did like, you know, describe the side characters as like Looney Tunes like, which is why I brought in Jonathan, because they were very much like Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam with all their guns. The mob, nice for sure. Nice tie-in. And uh, <laughs> I, I felt the the cartoony aspects of Michael Myers always getting up out of, you know, whatever impalement happens. He's uh, he, he is a Looney Tune. He's like an evil Bugs Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> With a knife. With a knife. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree to it, especially about like the way he the boyfriend dies. I actually had like um, Game of Thrones vibes when the mountain kills uh, uh, the Viper, you know, like the whole <sighs> battle. Yeah. And he remember when he crushes his skull like that made me think of 
that scene in Game of Thrones. Uh, but it's interesting talking about Michael's kills in this movie because, you know, he has his knife. That's his weapon of choice. But even when he kills the sheriff's daughter, you know, he has the gun, right? He's fooling her into thinking that he's the sheriff in the rocking chair. She lights the candle. She sees the dead uh, deputy. And then Michael gets out of his chair and he has a gun, right? A 12 gauge shotgun, which is loaded. And he doesn't shoot it. What does he do? He rams the gun through her body and stuffs her up against the door, which is clearly a callback to the first Halloween when he kills the boyfriend in the house and sticks him to the wall and just kind of looks at him and, and turns his head, uh, you know, side to side. Like that's like, you know, just admire admiring his work. He doesn't do that so much in this one, but um, it just kind of goes to show you that he doesn't like care whatever he has. He's not going to shoot you, but he will take a very brutal means of killing you. Uh, and, and that happens with the shotgun uh, with the sheriff's daughter. I was more than slightly disappointed by the fact that he killed the mechanic, not with the car that he's under, but with a knife or a machete, whatever he was using. And I was like, the car was right there. It's elevated. All you have to do is like remove the jack and it will fall on him. Like it would have been it would have been cool. <laughs> no, I totally agree, because I, as many times as I've seen this movie, like for whatever reason, my brain thinks, oh, he's going to drop the car on on right. his head. Right. You know, like uh, I was um, I was playing the Friday the 13th game and one of the kills is killing the whoever it is, the ba- the the kids at Camp Crystal Lake who's working on his car like it drops the car on him. And so maybe, you know, we're just programmed as horror fans when we see the setup like we know that's going to be the payoff. But no, Michael, Michael could have done that, but he allows the guy to come out, surprise him. And then he he starts hammering. He, he goes to town on him. So it's, yeah. it's just interesting. Like Michael is like this kind of crazy entity, but he still has this kind of strategy to the way he kills people. And, and I mean, clearly, as crazy as he is, there's still like some functions work in there where he's like, no, I'm going to I'm going to kill you. How I see fit, <laughs> you know, what something I wanted to touch on, too, is Loomis's character, you know, played by uh, Donald Pleasance. You know, there was talk of when they shot the movie of introducing how the character survived. Right. Because if you think of Halloween two, at the end of Halloween two, there's the huge explosion in the hospital. Laurie shoots Michael's eyes out, which we just gloss over. He either has, you know, steel in his eyes or we're just going to completely forget about that. Right. Um, or and then we have Donald Pleasance, who we thought blew up with Michael in the hospital, where the plan was to um, kind of recreate that scene and have Loomis kind of exploding back. So we see him kind of survive. But, he, you know, but we see him in Halloween four, like he's got the burns on his face. Mm-hmm. You know, there is the reference to that. What's so interesting is is the writer. Um, I forget his name now, but he talked about how they wanted to shoot this scene because it would have been a nice tie in to the first two movies, but the director said, no, they didn't want to actually reference the second movie. They wanted to stick to referencing the first, which it's, it's kind of contradictory, right? Because they still had the burns on the face. The, the, in the very beginning of Halloween four, the security guard, when he's leading the EM, the doctors and everything to down the hospital, he's saying, Oh, this happened, you know, oh, he, the, the, 
the doctor he runs Blue down all the events yeah 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 he breaks it all down <laughs> halloween too but then yeah. the director's like now let's not show. i mean it makes me wonder like was it a budgetary thing did they just maybe. not have the money to shoot that scene maybe they want the way they wanted to but yeah. it's a, it's kind of interesting little backstory i thought because introducer introducing a scene like that that kind of explains how these characters survived. I mean, it's a horror movie. So obviously we suspend, you know, reality a little bit because we, we want these things to, to kind of make sense. I mean, what do you guys think about that? Do you think that you would have preferred to have seen kind of a tie in scene from Halloween two to Halloween four? I actually don't. Um, I think that it is a complete like miss on their part to not have um, Donald Pleasance have like a, monologue similar to Clint in Jaws because like you can compare that scene in Halloween 2 to Clint surviving the shark and like seeing the people all around him like dead and stuff and like that's why he had that vendetta against the shark and like they have the, uh, like a very similar relationship to that in this and that's honestly what had Jonathan and I sold on at least following the movie was because he was like oh I'm out for that shark I'm gonna get him <laughs> like they're bound and stuff so um I wish it had been delivered by him in a in a more effective way like it, you know I feel like that that like section felt very trimmed yeah I agree and there's also that scene in the diner when uh, Loomis goes to the phones and all the lines are cut and he sees Michael through the through the kitchen and he's he tells him to take his life instead of going to Haddonfield. And he just like has this come at me vibe and he has a gun pointed at him. And then I have no idea what happened in the logic of the editing. But there's there's a weird cut where he shoots Loomis shoots at Michael and then we just see some plates broken and <laughs> Michael is gone. I have no idea what the thing yeah. was, um, but I I wanted more of that. And the Clint comparison from Jaws is very apt, very, very strong there. And I would have loved to see that as well. Missed opportunity. You know, Jonathan, that, that's something that's always bugged me is that scene where he's talking to Michael in the diner. And, you know, one second he's looking at him, the second he, he's gone. And it's just like, what? What? what happened? It makes like, no sense. It, it makes zero sense. Like, you know, I remember watching this younger and thinking, is he like a supernatural entity? Like, is that the explanation? But as I get older, it's like, no, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, the the movie toys around with him being a supernatural entity. Mm-hmm. And I wish that they had stuck the landing on that idea because having the Jamie character that we're following and the main protagonist um, have that dream of mo- multiple Michael Myers and then us seeing multiple Michael Myers around the cop car when they arrive in Haddonfield, it actually plays on, oh, there's like something supernatural going on. And then the kids remove their masks and they all had the same mask. And Michael, My- the real Michael Myers just happened to be behind them. And, you know, like if only these masks had a supernatural property connecting them to the silver shamrock, because it makes no sense for them to wander out as zombies to, like, kind of confuse the town. It's right there. It is just it's it right, is right there, there, you know, and then it could have even tied into Jamie's clown mask and oh, mm-hmm. whatever. Oh, it's fine. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. But yeah, I mean, that goes back to our conversation in the last episode where we said, like, you know, you take out like a few things in Halloween three and you could have easily connected these movies 
Like it didn't have to be like an isolated movie. I guess I guess it could have been, but you yeah. could have made references. Like it could have explained, you know, because because you know, as the franchise went on, you had a lot of them trying to explain why Michael is the way he is, and you know, it's related to a cult, which ironically is a similar cult that is in Halloween three trying to kill a bunch of kids. And so you have the connection to Michael Myers and the mask and the supernatural element you guys were talking about. And it hundred percent could have worked and even created something else. And even you talking about Sabina, the, the mask, the clown mask that Jamie wears, that is a direct reference to Michael in the very first, like first five minutes of Halloween. You have that all connecting. It's it's right there. Like, I, I hope I'm not the first to think this. I am I am pretty sure I'm not. I think a lot of Halloween fans are probably been like, there are like little loose ways we could have like vaguely connected this and, you know, not not be like warring factions of, you know, Halloween three Halloween three fans versus like the first Michael Myers <laughs> timeline and or the second Michael Myers timeline fans. <laughs> yeah, we could all be living in harmony if they had just thought a little bit more outside the box. But, you know, like, you know, as we get towards the end of the movie, you have Michael chasing Loomis and Jamie through a, a school, uh, you know, and a quick little uh, tidbit there as well. There was actually going to be a scene shot. Now, this didn't get shot because of time constraints, but there was going to be a scene where Jamie was going to hide under a desk. Michael would have walked in, got on the desk, started flipping the desk. Now, this was flipping tables. Yeah. Now. As this idea apparently stayed in their in their stream of thoughts, because this actually came to fruition in Halloween H2O, Jimmy Lee Curtis's character is hiding underneath tables. Michael comes and starts flipping the tables over looking for her. So it happened, just not how they had intended it to happen. But that was an idea that they played around with for for Halloween four during that scene. So we have that going on that eventually leads to. Rachel coming in and grabbing um, Jamie. They drive off. Michael follows them. And then we have the big shootout uh, with the mob uh, and the and the sheriff coming to take out Michael. We think he's dead. At least it looks like he's dead. And by a lot of interviews I've, I've been reading, they weren't thinking in the regular horror genre where, you know, oh, we leave it. And it, it is left ambiguous because he's shot. He falls into like the ground, like he gets submerged into it. But as far as the writers were concerned, they kind of wanted to end the story there. But while it might have ended Michael's story, it didn't end Jamie's story. Then we have the crazy twist ending where it ends just as the first Halloween is starting, where we have Jamie going to uh, wearing the clown mask. And we're in that perspective, right? We're, we're, that's her point of view through those through the mask. Then we see her go and we hear a scream or off, off camera. Loomis runs up the stairs. We find that Jamie is wearing, well, she's obviously got the clown mask or clown uh, suit on from for Halloween, but then she has the mask on, the, the, the clown mask as well. So it's totally her as Michael when he was a child, mm-hmm. only she just killed her stepmom. What a crazy twist ending that was. I'm sure people didn't see that coming. They thought, oh, Michael was dead. Maybe we have something of a happy ending. Then this twist happens. And it's crazy, right? Because it opens up so many things that they could have done with this franchise. I thought it was a great launching off point. I thought we could have had a really great slasher with a female at the front of it selling these movies. And it's still being called Halloween because, you know, Michael Myers's name isn't in the Halloween title. And you could have had a resurgence of a, a slasher genre as they were trying to do with this and also have it follow 
a a female protagonist. And it and it's it's interesting because we never cared about Michael before he turned evil. We did care about um Jamie, Jamie before she did. Yeah. And so that would have made it a more complex uh killer because you're gonna have a fraction of people that are actually like, oh, she can turn good again. And that will never happen because what if they lean well, into mean, the supernatural, the the evil transferred from Michael Myers into her. I mean, I feel like that's what Revenge of Michael Myers is, right? Or do they completely abandon it? I honestly have not seen it, so I know I know she's in it. Yeah, so that was gonna so that was gonna be my next point was you know they they create this twist right where you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. what the hell's going on? And Michael's dead, but Jamie's the killer now. We're getting ahead to Halloween five, but just to let you know, they completely abandoned that. Of course. Yeah, I movie. read that. I was like, they abandoned it. <laughs> it becomes like just some this random thing that happens. They never address it again. Instead, in Halloween five, Jamie's in a hospital just like Michael was. And they they completely just disregard it. They, you know, Michael lives and and you know, he's Michael Myers again. It's it definitely plays a little more on the supernatural in that. Michael comes back and he can't, he's just this unstoppable killing force. But yeah, it's really unfortunate because that was a really cool twist that, yeah, Jonathan, he could have had a, a, a woman headlining as the killer. Like she would have been the new Michael Myers, but Jamie Lloyd. And you still keep it within the family, right? You still have that kind of mystique of why is this happening to this family? What is going on here? And you could have explored that more with the whole like, cult elements and how they wanted to, you know, explain why Michael is, well, then maybe you don't just explain Michael. Maybe it's the bloodline. Maybe there's something there. It's like mm-hmm. a paranormal activity thing where they're like, no, it actually goes yeah, further like, back. It's not just the sisters. It makes sense because you can still keep it to where there is no explanation for the evil or Michael Myers or whatever. I mean, not as in like, real motivations because i know a lot of people were like we like michael being an entity of evil um and like a vessel for evil so without like it being any specific reasoning you can still keep that because with jamie you demonstrate that this family is maybe like a little you know uh sensitive to the supernatural they become vessels for evil easily and like that i think is enough to like you know not really dive in further and you know agreeing with jonathan like at that point we care about jamie and we're like oh my gosh like is this gonna be a battle for her soul is loomis gonna you know (laughs) yeah no totally really take on (laughs) unknown forces i believe that after this current trilogy ends with halloween ends we do another reboot, requel, whatever it is called, franchise, starting with Halloween 4 and going on. Well, yeah, well, that's a huge <laughs> thing. A lot of people really wanted Daniel Harris, who starred as Jamie, to come back and be a part of it because she is such a big part of the fandom and embraced. And she, you know, she reminds me of um, Ashley Exine, who voices Ahsoka Tano, like, such a gracious actor who just has always embraced the community and, you know, for her uh, to, you know, like be left with this story hanging <laughs> is, it is a little frustrating, you know, if like Batman could have multiple Batmans is like running around, um, we should have multiple like Halloween stories happening. I think, you know, the, there's still, we're still in that transition from, 
movie franchises and reboot quills and fixing things or whatever and like trying to figure out how to cater to fans fans got the snyder cut that's a batman that's happening at the same time as other batmans it's not necessarily interconnected i would like to see you know like i mentioned in the last podcast a halloween anthology that runs with other threads and jamie's could be one of them i mean you could probably make a, a movie after every one of these movies that would be a different thread of Halloween that transcend like it it, it just that diverges from the Michael Myers story but like goes into different aspects like you could have a whole thing about the third movie uh being interconnected in its own franchise yeah like it could be like the conjuring universe in that way you know yeah yeah I absolutely agree I mean and there's the thing is you know with the whole Jamie Lloyd uh storyline her arc which ends in in the curse of Michael Myers, and we'll get into that later on. But I don't feel I, I I totally agree with you guys. Like this isn't something where just because those movies ended, like like the franchise door is shut. Like you can still I think still kind of bring movies about about that character. I mean, mm-hmm. God, it's just I mean, it just they're doing it, it with it, Chucky, right? I hate Chucky. But I am aware <laughs> that he has films in development and yeah. yet has mm-hmm. a TV series that's still in the same universe as the 90s movies that I refuse to revisit. <laughs> <laughs> that scarred me for life. <laughs> yeah, so definitely not uh, podcasting on that one because I don't want to scare Sabina. No. No, but um, yeah, I just o- overall, what do you guys think of Halloween for? You know, it was a, a return to Michael Myers. It was a return to Haddonfield. It was a completely ignoring Halloween three disaster in their mind had happened. Uh, what are you guys the overall thoughts on, on Halloween four and, and uh, its connection to the first two movies? Honestly, it is one of the first examples of a like horror icon or franchise icon, literally bringing the audience in, in a way that like, they're there for the name. They're there for Michael Myers. And the story might not necessarily be the strongest. I personally found the first act to be very drawn out, except for some certain really great moments with like Loomis and interesting choices with Jamie having premonitions and like her crazy dreams. Um, Because, you know, like if we look back, this was a success for um Akkad, you know, like s- separate from John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, like, he literally was part of like a successful sequel for the Halloween films. And, you know, it's just, it's crazy because of what ends up happening after with like still kind of just, you know, running wild with just continuously bringing back Michael. And, you know, like there, there are certain points of the movie where I kind of could see the DNA of movies in the future that really inspired certain things like i immediately thought of scream uh michael myers being a costume in this universe in a more expanded way where there's multiple michael myerses made me wonder if that was sort of like the origins of having there be two ghost face killers in scream i really liked that aspect of it um, and then also it reminded me of the Halloween Horror Nights maze room with all the different Michael Myerses. And so I'm like, oh, this that's where this is from. <laughs> I thought this movie was full of interesting ideas. I, I don't think the kills were very creative in the long run. I thought that they could have expanded on, again, uh, these supernatural ideas a bit more 
But I did like Loomis coming back. I felt that he was a good center for the audience. I really connected with his story and his, you know, his worry about the town. I loved how the sheriff reacted to Loomis and everything he said in the scene where he breaks into the police station and tells them what's going on and they find the phone line dead. I loved everything about that scene. And ultimately, I think I think ultimately this is a disappointment uh, from top to bottom, but it has potential to be great if it is expanded upon or remade and rewritten uh, in a way that does the characters a really good uh, service to the the more mythical elements of this story. And we don't take so much time to build up everything to to get to that third act. Because uh, I felt that the, the third act could have been really great. And I, I also read that there was going to be a fire in the house and it started in the basement. And that's what led the characters to the roof. Um, and that was all taken out because of budgetary reasons. And as it stands, it's it's OK, uh, but it could have been a lot better. Yeah, I I, I, kind of, I think I'm kind of in the same place as you guys. You know, it's 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 there are dis, it's disappointing at parts. I, I think for me, it's. You know, the fact that you kind of build up the whole Jamie arc and how it ends, you know, like the twist. Like, I just feel like there was so much potential to do, you know, so many things. And and if they wanted to do something different, it was like right there. Like they could have they could have totally done something different and, and evolved the franchise. But, you know, they decided, you know, we're going to stick with Michael Myers because back in the mid 80s, you know, you had Jason, you had the emergence of Freddy Krueger. Audiences wanted their slashers and they wanted the known recognizable faces. And really, that's what it came down to. Um, They didn't really want to take chances. They didn't want to uh, do anything that could financially uh, put them in uh, jeopardy. Uh, You know, if if this one had failed, you know, who knows what would have happened to the franchise uh, moving forward for us to move forward. Let's talk about, you know, reboots and remakes and and, you know, because. While this isn't a reboot or a remake, it kind of is a reboot in the sense where we're getting back to uh, Michael Myers and what he means to the franchise and, and how the story started in Halloween one. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on remakes nowadays and reboots? Or do you have ones where you said, you know what, I'm not a fan of remakes or reboots, but I'm going to give this one a chance. And it did surprise you. Well, I'll speak to to one of these aspects real quick. You mentioned that this was around the same time as Freddy. And the um, Camp Crystal Lake, Jason Voorhees movies, those characters were treated more like cartoons in their in their depictions and way, way more so than Michael was in his first film, which is an all timer, like classic Halloween. Having Michael Myers be more cartoony, I thought was out of place for him, but it made sense for the audiences to expect that going in back in the 80s to this film. Having said that, I love animated movies and I love how cartoony they get with ideas. And I think that the new Space Jam is a reboot and sequel, whatever it is going to be. And I cannot wait to see how they integrate uh, new technology into that and also have an expanding roster of live action characters meeting with the animated characters and just how that all comes together is going to be so fascinating. On the whole, I think 
sequels and reboots are not necessarily a bad thing. I really want there to be a new Gremlins movie. <laughs> I've been saying that for a while. Um, I really liked what they did with Star Wars um, in the in the latest trilogy. Um, I didn't like all of those movies, but I liked the ideas that were put forth. I liked the cast. I liked the effects. And even though Force Awakens was kind of a, a reimagining of New Hope in a lot of ways, I thought it worked. I thought they did a lot of good things and it made a lot of people reinvigorated in the franchise, which is exactly what you want out of a reboot. So I think they're not all evil. Um, there are a lot of weird ones. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking specifically like along the, the horror franchise, the further away you get from the first film, like you, you start to get these really bad narratives with these characters because they're just throwing the, the character in it to, to sell the ticket. Um, but reboots actually take the time to like repackage what you liked about the first movie. Um, and then give it to you again in a new in a new way. Um, was Jason X like a, a reboot or was that just like a continuation of like bizarre Friday the 13th movies? Because I know they went on forever. It, it <laughs> Ironically, there, there was an interesting story of, of, you know, Jason X, for anyone who doesn't know, basically is Jason in space. And there was an idea to do something similar with Michael Myers like a long time ago. Obviously, it never happened, but it Good. ended up happening <laughs> with Jason. It, it really has nothing to do with the franchise, right? Like the only continuity to the franchise is in the very beginning when they Michael is, I guess, in that time period, I guess, 90s, early 2000s. So, you know, he gets his he gets cryogenically frozen. And then it's like, I don't know, 100 years later, it's all like advanced space technology and then that's when he comes back to life exactly right like it's it sounds like a ridiculous premise i actually enjoy jason x i think it's hilarious because it's not scary at all like it's just jason in space i mean when you say that <laughs> sentence jason in space <laughs> well see now i want to hear it in mel brooks voice yeah. now, now i just want that to happen now but you know it's um you know, it's just it's just a total ridiculous premise. I think it's fun for what it is. Like, it's just bonkers. But it's like one of those one off comics you would read. Right. It would be like has nothing to do with whatever storyline they're doing or the character. It's just kind of bananas. And that's exactly yeah. what Jason X is. Uh, <laughs> sort of sticking with uh, horror. Uh, Jurassic Park did a reboot uh, pretty well for the, the box office because it, I think it made a billion dollars. Um, but with Jurassic World, I thought that it obviously wasn't as good as the original, but it had the same tone and idea of putting us in a, a park with a, a bunch of dinosaurs on the loose. And we hadn't had that in a really I, we haven't had that since the first movie. Um, so that formula, w again, worked for the audience. And I think any time that you can reestablish a new or reinvigorate a franchise and reestablish the setting in a really fun way. I think it will work for that audience. Um, so, so it can work. And and like, that's, that's a good example, even yeah. though I'm not a big fan of that movie. Yeah. No, definitely to jump on that. I always like talk about reboot quills, which is, you know, what we've got in specifically with uh, Halloween, uh, the most recent one. And 
it's very strange to me that, you know, for so long, uh, the majority of media kind of like, you know, look down on horror for doing things like um, really off the wall, like sequels and like things in space or like Freddy vs. Jason or whatever. Right. And yet um, recently, because of how IP has become a really big stronghold at the studios because of the streaming services and because of like, you know, shifting from movie stars to major IPs for blockbusters, you have this sort of um, prestige look at like, you know, how Star Wars and Jurassic and even like, you know, I think Fast and Furious was the first to really do it in a successful way. And I think that's definitely they're unsung in that way because they were the blockbusters that went um, timeline hopping. And you had obviously Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, which is uh, in this case, the Halloween three of Fast and Furious movies. Um, and how just those movies, like just every movie was a blockbuster hit and they just kept doing crazier and crazier things and then branched out into their like side quest movies, right? Um, around the same time that like, I feel, uh, major studios were looking at that and that success and being like, oh, we can do that with some of the legacy IP. So that's where we get, you know, the Star Wars films that have the continuity timeline and yet have the like Star Wars stories, um, very much in the way that like, you know, Fast and Furious had Hobbs and Shaw, which was also, I think, uh, really successful and, they start doing all these things that horror was doing in, in like small ways. And like, you know, you have uh Blumhouse and Warner brothers kind of like seeing that and starting to go on that path with the conjuring universe. And that just showed how, you know, they took these horror films that they made uh, specifically movies like um, Annabelle and Ouija. Right. So the like elements of those films, like their their first attempts at uh uh like un- in universe sequels didn't do so well, but then they still bet on those properties because of Annabelle and because of the concept of Ouija that they then brought in other filmmakers to create prequels for those things that were really successful and like marketed in the same way that some of those like Fast and Furious sequels were made that like that sort of just started that snowball of things like Jurassic World things you know that just kind of like start to build and expand on an IP and I think we're very much in like the first sort of wave of that still because now uh because of the streaming wars um you know I love original IP. I think that we definitely like want to see more original ideas and like future franchises. And I think Fast and Furious proves that we could do that. Um, studios are going all in on their pre-existing IPs like DC, like Marvel, like Star Wars, and just expanding in a way that definitely started with the campy films, like horror films, like the Michael Myers films with multiple timelines and stuff and like Fast and Furious. And um, that is like just this sort of thing where like, you know, I think horror deserves the recognition that just these places refuse to give it because, um, you know, there are performances in horror films that I think are award worthy that need to be recognized. 
And there are sort of big cinematic accomplishments that were set. The president was set by horror films. And sort of that's how I feel about like this whole like new industry we're in. That is like just a rat race to like, um, you know, find the next best sequel to hit that nostalgic itch that people have. And like, you know, like Jonathan was talking about Space Jam, like, you know, he's excited to see where they can take those characters and um, have them kind of like mash up with this world we're in. This conversation actually reminded me that I always wanted to see a 1900s Final Destination movie. (laughs) That would be interesting. That would be interesting. That time era is so scary. (laughs) (laughs) And I love the final 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 destination franchise. So, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. And, you know, to piggyback on on your guys, what you guys are talking about here. You know, I I was recently talking on a podcast about um, Dawn of the Dead, you know, because I, you know, I never saw Zack Snyder's reboot. And and that has more to do with me, like. The first Dawn of the Dead, like the original, like holds is a uh, special. Yeah, it's just like perfect to me. Um, and so I always have this, you know, hesitancy with anything that's a horror movie rebooted. I'll usually give it a chance, but some that I just I kind of stay away from. And that was one of them. I'm I'm gonna finally watch it because you know he's you know he's getting a hundred a ton of hype for his new Netflix zombie movie. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to see if a lot of the a lot of what he did stylistically is. He's done it. He does for the next zombie movie for the Netflix zombie movie. Um, so I'm, I'm going to finally sit down and watch that Dawn of the Dead movie. But, you know, that's the reason like I, you know, I'm so nervous watching these. Like even, you know, I think it was Poltergeist. They did the remake uh, or reboot of and it had like Sam Rockwell in it. And I love Sam Rockwell, but I still to me, that wasn't that didn't push the needle enough for me to see Poltergeist because the first pol- the original Poltergeist is, is such a fantastic perfect ghost story and you know it's yeah it's a classic um i know they did the omen i don't know why they did that but they 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 rebooted the omen and that's another one where it's such a fantastically made movie i don't know it's just these they they, i guess they just want to re return return recycle these movies out and and see like you know if new audience you know wants something updated that uh, of a story that was done like 34 years ago and Maybe capture a second wave of something. I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah, what, no, what it's going to be crazy because you know it's going to become a matter of what IP can we exploit to keep subscribers, and like what factions of this IP can we please at the same time? You know, because I feel like we've seen that with like Zack Snyder's Justice League. You know, they're catering both to the fans who felt, you know, like neglected because they had wanted this film and yet, you know, are still continuing on with the other films. And I feel like, you know, studios are finding that there's money in that. And I think that's just going to influence uh, a lot of films coming up and, and hopefully not to like the detriment of like really good mid-range um, original films. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I totally agree. Guys, that was a really fun discussion because I feel like, you know, in, in where we're at right now with Hollywood and what they're making and what they're churning out, where there is a lot of original content, but there's still a lot of stories that were done 20, 30 years ago that are still kind of being recycled in different ways. And they're trying to find that audience 
that wants to see these stories and then still also cater to the fans who love the original stuff so much. So um, that was a really fun discussion. And yeah, I'm starting to get hyped with, like you, Jonathan, about the Looney Tunes, um, the new Space Jam movie, because I do love the first ones a lot. Yeah, they're coming back in full fri- full stride. So get ready. <laughs> we have a trailer <laughs> dropping any minute now. <laughs> oh, really? Is that true? Uh, is it, yeah, or by waiting? the time that this... It drops will be out by then. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I'm I'm excited to see what it does and, and expand the roster of characters live action and animated. It's it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, can't wait. All right. Well, um, you know, normally when we have a guest here, the guest goes and then Sabine and I record our little our, our goodbyes and everything, but we have Jonathan here. So um let's just stick with what we normally do. Um, Jonathan, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? Tell them about all your all your creative work and, and um, like I said, where to find you. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, this was a blast. Uh, you can find me talking about all things Looney Tunes over at This Means Podcast on Twitter. Uh, I'm sorry. This Means Pod on Twitter. This Means Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, the podcast is everywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, Apple, Spotify, uh Twitcher, Twitcher, Switcher, whatever it's called. (laughs) (laughs) All those places. Um, So yeah, look out for that. And uh, there's new episodes dropping about every week. So it's a a fun time over there. And um, I got a really good one coming up. Awesome. Awesome. That is so cool. And again, thank you, Jonathan, for coming on. And it was really fun having you here and discussing about all all horror things. It's And I'll definitely be talking to you more since uh, you dig the supernatural thriller stuff. Uh, that's awesome that we connect on that. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you want to talk horror, I'm down. For sure. Um, and Sabina, uh, I, I'm excited because in Halloween 5, we're going to get to discuss how they botched the Jamie Lloyd twist at the mm-hmm. end of Halloween 4. And, you know, uh, I'm going to go in on that uh, a lot. So I'm saving all that, you know, uh, for our episode 5, which would be a lot of fun. But um, Sabina, let everyone know where to find you. You can find me on Twitter at Sabina has Noah and Instagram at that lady graves. Um, obviously, you know, here on Halloween never dies <laughs> and uh, writing for movie websites like coming soon.net uh, among various other places. I will always tweet out my links um, for those sort of things. I'm very excited to talk about haunts that will hopefully be returning this year. Like I said, when we started the episode, it's halfway to Halloween. And we are hopefully going to be good to have a Halloween so awesome this October that like, you know, we'll make up for the one we lost last year. And I'm excited to talk about the maze announcements for Halloween Horror Nights that will no doubt like incorporate other movie IPs. That is like my favorite thing, IP integration and theme parks. Uh, they did announce that they will be doing Beetlejuice this year at Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando, which I'm very, very hyped for. Uh, Jonathan and I love Beetlejuice, so it's kind of like our jam. Um, yeah, but don't yeah. reboot it. Although I have <laughs> yes. ideas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, like... Uh, who knows who we'll be seeing again? Like, I feel like Michael Myers will definitely make his return to Halloween Horror Nights. I don't know about this year, but, but maybe because, so it's, it's really tricky what happens with Halloween Horror Nights, uh, specifically with Halloween film releases in the same year. They can't exactly base it off of the movie that's coming out. So, um, 
it'll either be like a really cool retro throwback to uh some carpenters originals films but at this point they i mean i got my fingers crossed for a halloween horror nights maze inspired by the 2018 film awesome awesome and um yeah i i i know we've talked i i'm trying to work things out so i can come down to la in october and and hang with you guys and go to those awesome fun events so that would that would be a lot of fun and obviously halloween kills comes out in october so we're we are just super excited about this and you know like sabina said halfway to halloween it only gets fun down here so um you can find me at pacing pete on twitter instagram you can find us halloween never dies uh retrospective podcast on uh twitter instagram uh we are on apple itunes spotify we're on all the things so be sure to uh check us out uh sabina why don't you sign us off so hype halfway to halloween and i am toasting to that because here in this podcast we know more than anyone that halloween never dies